0: Hebrews 12 1 talking about running with the giants says therefore and that's referring back anytime you read a therefore in scripture it's always referring to something before it it says because of this this and so he says therefore all these heroes of the faith are in Hebrews 11 and and some of them if you read that list you go how in the world did they get put in there like Samson Samson was the kind of guy you don't want around your children I mean he was a he was a whoremonger. He was a terrible guy. He was out for his own pleasure, but God used him. Uh, and and, and uh, so a lot of those guys in Hebrews 11 didn't live well, but they finished well. Uh, they didn't start out good, but they finished well. And so, uh, you know, as you read that, and he says, because of that, we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses. Now, those witnesses are Abraham. Now, he says, we're running... We've got a life of faith, and Paul talks about the life of faith like a race, and so we're running this race, and we've got this crowd that's, that's of witnesses that are up there. Just think, Paul is cheering for you. Uh, Abraham is up there going, come on, Wayne, come on, come on, come on, y'all can do it, come on, come on, Ronnie! y'all can do it, come on, Ronald, you can make it, you know. They're cheering for us, they're cheering for us up there, and, and, and some of our, like my mama's up there in that crowd now, and and my dad's up there, and, and uh, you know, sometimes we wondered whether my dad made it until my mama called his name out on the way to heaven. And, uh, you know, so we was like, whew, he made it, you know. But, but, you know, we've got loved ones up there in that crowd of witnesses, and we've been pulling out different people uh, to talk to us about that. We, talked, we, we learned from Samson. We learned from Mary, uh, you know. And, and today we're going to learn from Elijah. But he says, we've got this crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. And the, and the life of faith, once you receive Christ, we're running this race a life of faith. And, and so he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now, I, I used to run. Doesn't look like I've run in a while, all right? Now running is walking speed, you know. And so, uh, but I used to run races. And, and so when I would run, I've always had high arches, But you wanted a, a, so I needed a shoe that would support me, but you wanted one that was lighter than air. Why? Because when you're running, you don't want weights on your feet. You want light. And you want clothes that are light. And, and, and so you don't want anything to, to, to catch the wind. You don't want anything heavy weighing you down so you can run your fastest. And that's what he's saying. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now, uh, in the race of life, the, the, the life of faith that we're running, that might be too many activities. It might be that you've got to put away... Uh, going out drinking on Saturday nights or something, you know, so you can get up and come to church, or you've got to put away, maybe it may not even be sinful things, it might be stuff like just too many kid activities going on in your life. Or, uh, you know, uh, I, I, when my daughter was little, it was one extracurricular activity, and she never missed church on Sunday or Wednesday night. And, uh, and so you do one thing instead of a bunch, you know, and, uh, and so, but too often, you know, you got one parent at one playground, another parent at a play, different playground, and, and then they're switching because they're doing multiple activities. And so it could be good things that, like, is it good for kids to be active and stuff? You bet. You know, I, I thank God every day my daughter did swim meets instead of dance team. At least we could be barbecuing out by the pool, you know, I mean, for those four-hour swim meets instead of those four-hour dance things where you got to sit there, you know, and and, uh, and all that and, and stuff. So but he said, get, get rid of everything that slows us down. It might be, you know, a job that uh, is going to take you away from expressing your faith in worship. Then he said, especially the sin that easily trips us up. One of my idols when I was running, not an idol, but a guy I looked up to because I was a runner. My fastest mile was a 515, somewhere in there. And, uh, but Jim Ryan, I loved him because he, was a, he did three minutes and I think 46 seconds on the mile. And I was going, man, I, I loved him. He did a resurgence where he came back, and, and he was going to make a comeback, and he was running. And I think it was in Mexico where, where this happened, and he got tripped. You see, sin will trip us up in our race, just like somebody's foot can trip you up when you're running. And, and, and oftentimes that can cause us not to be able to run our race that God has for us. Look, it says we get rid of the things that slow us down. We get rid of the sin that trips us up. And too often what happens, we want to be over here as close to sin as we can get when we really need to be over here as far away from sin as we can get because over here you get burned and you get tempted. I remember um, Mike Singletary giving an interview one time uh, with a, a station. They said, is it easy or is it difficult to be a Christian in the NFL? I thought he was going to say difficult because all the money, the women, the drugs, everybody's throwing this at him. He said it's easy. When you're radical for Jesus, those those drug dealers don't come around me. They know I'm going to take their drugs and their money and get rid of it and and all that. He says, you know, they're going to hear a sermon. So when when you're radical, so we've we've got to strip that off. We've got to stay as far away from sin. He said the guys that get in trouble are the guys that still try and live that life and a little bit of faith got to get away from that that's why in recovery programs we say you change people places and things that you do you got to get away from that And, and so uh that needs to be the word for all of us so let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up and then he said let us run with endurance the race God has set before us each one of you has a race God has assigned for you to run and it's all different and uh and so we want those witnesses cheering us on we want to run the race that God has called us to, and uh, and so uh, hopefully this will help us today. We're going to learn a little bit from Elijah. Now Elijah's an interesting guy. I've really enjoyed reading over the chapters of Elijah this week and Elisha. Both of them were kind of interesting guys. You know, the Elisha they made fun of for being bald headed, and I'll never say anything about Steve's head again. And uh, they made fun of of or you know anybody because Elisha just had you know, called on God, and they killed all the people that made fun of him. And, and so uh, I don't want that done to me. But, but Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. He lived about 300 years later than Samson. So between Samson and Elijah, what happens is Israel, the people of Israel don't want a judge anymore. They want a king, and so they get a king. And so you had Saul and David and Solomon, and then their sinfulness caused the kingdom to get split uh, at, uh, after Solomon. And you had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And then Ahab was made king and Jezebel was his queen. Now Ahab was weak and Jezebel was wicked. And and together they tore down all the altars to God and they built these altars to Baal for Baal worship. And and, uh, this was the time that God called Elijah into ministry. And and so uh, God tells Elijah, say, go to King Ahab and just prophesy this. It's not going to rain. God stopped the rain. So how would you like for God to tell you to do something radical like that? I don't know about that. Hey, Robert, go lay hands on this person. They're going to get healed. Oh, really? You know? Are you here? For it? So God told, told Elijah, say, go tell him it's not going to rain. And it didn't. It didn't rain for three and a half years. And so uh, so this is going on. And, and you had all the prophets of Baal, and, and, and you had Elijah. And so they set up kind of, you've heard of like a runoff or a cook-off or a bake-off. Well, they had a prophet off. And so Elijah said, listen, get all the prophets of Baal. Y'all get your sacrifice over here. I'll get mine. And we'll see whichever one God brings fire from heaven down and lights the sacrifice. That's the one whose real God is. And so all the prophets of Baal, he said, y'all go first. And, and so they get their sacrifice ready. and They got all the wood piled up for the fire. And they start praying to, the, uh, to Baal. And, and then they start dancing and dancing. And whooping and hollering and throwing dirt up in the air and 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 Elijah starts to taunt him. He says, "Maybe he's hard to hear, and maybe you need to shout a little louder." And then and then then after a while, he's going, "Hey, listen, he must be in the bathroom," and uh, and and literally that's the way the thing reads. It's like it's the word manure is in there. I won't expound any further, but maybe he's in the bathroom and can't hear you, so you need to you know you really need to shout loud. And he's just taunting him, and nothing happens. And then he says, "Okay, here's my altar, There's my wood, there's my." My uh, ox that he's, he's split up and he says this he said fill up all those jars of water and pour it on top he said now do it again now do it again I mean he had so much water on there that he drug a ditch around this, his altar place and it filled up the ditch and he just goes over he doesn't jump and holler he just says God so they'll know that you're the Lord of Israel boom fire from heaven comes down burns that pile of wood up burns the sacrifice up even burns up all the water. There's not even a wet spot left. And so then Elijah, now this is the Old Testament, Elijah calls on the people of Israel and they go kill all the prophets of Baal. Now that's kind of contrary to New Testament life. We've kind of, a, you know, like we need to forgive them and lead them to the Lord. No, Elijah was killing them all, all right? And so they kill 450 prophets of Baal. Then after that, he, I mean, he's a busy dude. He, then after they, they do this battle all day long, they kill these prophets. And he comes up and he says, now, he tells Ahab, you better get home because it's fixing to rain. Hadn't rained in three and a half years. And so Ahab's the king, and so he heads off. So Elijah goes up, and he sends his servant out and said, look over. He's got his head between his knees. He's praying. He said, do you see anything? The servant said, no. He said, go look again. He said, do you see anything? He said, I see a little speck of a cloud. And he said, get ready. It's fixing to rain. And, uh, and, and it did, it rained, it poured. Now here's where we're going to pick up in the scriptures. Then Elijah leaves. And so when King Ahab got home in 1 Kings 19, when King Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, you know, you don't see a lot of women named Jezebel anymore, do you? Or Delilah, for that matter. He told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So here's what Jezebel said. Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me. And even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. How would you like for the palace to send you that message? Kind of made me think of that movie, old movie with Will Smith, Enemy of the State. Remember that? And, uh, you know, the scary thing is is they could do all that stuff that they were tracking him with and probably even more than that now. But, but you know, she said, I'm going to kill you. That's like, okay, the, the White House saying, you know, Robert, we're going to hunt you down, and you're a dead man. so and, and so... You, and, and so uh, you know, I mean, I would say that Elijah at that point would tell you that his world was kind of falling apart. He got that threat, and he would made her mad. I mean, he would just had, listen, Elijah went from an incredible high. How many of you think if you'd called down fire from heaven, you'd be going, oh, yeah, all right, God, we got this, yeah. You know, or you'd have said, all right, it hadn't rained in three years, Lord, make it rain, and, and God makes it rain. You'd be kind of on a spiritual high, you know, and then he goes, crashes right down to a spiritual low. And uh because she said he was gonna kill him. And so he would tell you that, listen, when you feel like your life has fallen apart, and uh and and maybe you can identify, maybe your life has fallen apart at some point, or you may even feel like it's that way now. Maybe maybe it's it's your marriage, you know, it feels uncontrollable and and you just don't know what's gonna happen in that, or or maybe it's your job, or maybe it's with your children, maybe your child didn't get home at the right time, or maybe you're an empty nester and you're trying to Figure out what life is without your children around, you know, and, and uh, other than, you know, once the happy dance is over, when they can pay their own bills. And, uh, you know, and then uh, maybe, maybe it's addictions of family members that you're struggling with. All these situations can make you feel out of control. Well, Elijah's got some things to say to that. And so he would say when life feels like it's falling apart, our perspective, write this down, our perspective shapes our reality. Listen, in other words, your perspective in the middle of whatever the situation is, our, what you're writing is our perspective shapes our reality. Don't know what happened to the slides, but uh, our perspective shapes our reality. So in the middle of your situation, your perspective is going to shape your reality. Fred, go check on the slides back there and see what's going on. Your perspective is going to uh, shape your reality. It, whatever's going on, how you see it, is going to shape what you're doing. In other words, if your God is a big God, your problems aren't going to matter. But if your God is small, those problems are huge. And so we've got to understand that. And, and, and look, that's what happened with Elijah. His perspective got messed up, and so he ran. Look, look what happened. And this will happen to us. In, in verse 3, it said, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. I mean, what made Elijah get a... Fr- he goes from killing 450 prophets, calling fire from heaven, call, causing it to rain when it hadn't rained in three years. His perspective changed. Something he, This wasn't the first time somebody had threatened Elijah. Elijah had threats all through his career. And, and something changed, and he was afraid, and he fled for his life. His perspective changed. Here He would just come from this big victory. And maybe you've been there like that. Maybe, maybe you go to the doctor and you get a diagnosis. You know, you, you, your heart's not going to make it or you've got cancer or whatever. And, and, and then you get this diagnosis and, and man, you're afraid. Or, or, or maybe your child didn't come home at the right time, you know. Uh, how many of us have gone through that, you know. And uh, I remember reading one time about uh, a guy who coached the Washington Redskins. He was a Christian. His daughter went home at curfew and when they pulled in the driveway... He was sitting in a chair in the driveway, and, uh, and he went up to the boy, and he said, Son, I'm, I'm sure she didn't tell you, but curfew's at 11, and if you ever want to see her again, that car better be here before 11. And, uh, and you know, she said, Oh, Dad, I hate your guts. And he said, She didn't because I had the keys to the car, and she wanted to learn how to drive. But, you know, it's a little parenting tip there. We need to keep that, But but maybe whatever it is. Whatever it is. Maybe you get called to the boss's office on Friday afternoon. How many of you know that's never good, right? I mean, they don't call you on Friday and say, Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you in because I want to give you a raise. You know? And, uh, and so, um, you know, that can strike fear. Anyway, we get to choose whether we're going to have faith or fear in all these situations. Are we going to have faith or are we going to have fear like when Elijah happened, you know? And it's a battle. I mean, it's a battle. Is God the God that can do anything or not? Listen, I want you to write this down. We serve a God who can do anything. Say that with me. We serve a God who can do anything. We serve a God. Write that down. We serve a God who can do anything. The first step of this, obviously, is to receive Jesus as your Savior. That's 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 the first step of that. And He'll guard your your perspective once, once, once that happens. Without that, you're not going to have that perspective of God. But, you know, we, we've got an enemy who wants to get us to forget that God can do anything. Did you know that? That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to change your perspective away from God can do anything to God can't do anything. I want you to look at this picture uh, I found. It's back in the 80s. Uh, hopefully they'll pull it up in the back. Pull up the picture, guys. You see, this lady's just living life. They're out enjoying nature, right? And, uh, and so you see the little kid. I mean, she got a perm. This was back in the 80s in the perm times. You could probably smell the chemical, you know. But, uh, and so she's living life and just going through life. But we've got an enemy that, doesn't, that wants to destroy us. And First Peter 5.8 says this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Why? Because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour See, so we've got to keep our guard up all the time. Now, look at this next picture. You see that circle? Inside that circle, there's a mountain lion. She didn't see it. The child did. We need to keep the child's perspective. The child is watching out. We've got to stay alert because you don't ever know, you don't ever know where the devil's prowling. And a lot of times, when uh, after a great victory, he'll attack, just like he did with Elijah. And uh and so we need to keep that maybe that little girl's perspective. She's kinda like going, Mama, mama. And and the dad who was taking the picture, I did read the history on that picture. The dad who was taking the picture said, Honey, walk slowly towards me. And they walked slowly and they were hiking, so they had to just walk away and, and they ended up being okay. But three days later that Sound Mountain Lion killed somebody out on that trail. And uh and and uh and so this. We've got to stay alert. I'm going to give you a, a word, it's called HALT, H-A-L-T, uh, HALT, and that will help you stay alert and, uh, and help us. And so the H, it's an acrostic, so the H stands for hungry. How many time, How many of y'all ever heard the word hangry? Some of y'all get hangry, that's why we got donuts out there, and that's why we have biscuits for the early service, and, uh, and we got, and, and so some, hungry, listen, when you get hungry, uh, you make bad decisions when you get angry, you say things that you shouldn 't say and do things that you shouldn 't do. Now, look at the next one the L is lonely. How many of you have ever made a bad decision when you 're lonely? Lonely will make you have relationships that you know are bad for you, but you know what? any relationship is better than none, and so we settle for it because we 're lonely, and so lonely will make you do bad things and tire- lonely will make you have a pity party too. You know I mean and the next one, the T is tired. Guys, when we're tired, we make bad decisions, and it it just doesn't go well. And and listen, in those moments when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired, or all of those in some combination, which Elijah was at this time, uh, that's when the enemy will attack you. That's when the enemy will attack you. He will come upon you, and his goal is to shift your perspective to where God isn't the God that can do anything, and he's not that God. And so listen, so what happens is, is we want to do like Elijah did. We want to be alone. So look, write this down. We're only alone if we choose to be alone. We're only alone if we choose to be alone. And in first Kings 19, 3 through 4, it said, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and here's what it says: He left his servant there, and he went alone into the wilderness. Traveling all day. He was way out in the woods. He was way out in the wilderness by himself alone. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. So Elijah left. You know, a lot of times we feel lonely and alone. And we think everybody's left us. But the reality is nine times out of ten, we leave them. We start feeling depressed. We start feeling anxious. What do we do? Things aren't going right. And so we want to we isolate from the people that we know and the people that love us. And so we isolate away from that. And, uh, and so it's us that moved, not them. And so, I mean, look, Elijah left. He was alone. He was depressed. He isolated, which is the worst thing you can do. And, uh, and we've got to fight through this. Uh, we've got to fight through this. One time I, I read about a guy that, he had made a bad decision. I mean, a real bad decision. Ruined his, his ministry, ruined his marriage. Uh, and he was asking some friends who were pastors, said, how did, how did God let this happen to me? How did this happen? I, why didn't God put a protection, a ring of protection or a force field around me? And, and his friend says, he did. It's us, but you didn't turn to us. You let yourself get isolated over here. And that's what happens. The banana that gets away from the peel. From the from the bunch gets peeled, and uh, and so we got to learn that, and so we don't want to make those decisions. That's why we do small groups. That's why it's important to be on a ministry team. That's why it's important to be here. We feed people for two reasons. One, on Wednesdays, it makes it easy for you to come from work. You don't have to go home and eat. You don't have to go buy your food. We got food here. But it also, when you're sitting around a table, you make friendships. You develop relationships that you don't get sitting in church. And so that's the second reason we do that. And so listen, write this down. God's plan is always better than plan, our plan. Look, Elijah's plan was, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. Kill me. I'm done. Stick a fork in me. That was Elijah's plan. Anybody ever been there? Lord, I'm done. Beside me, I'm done. God, just look, I'm ready. Just get, I don't want it to stop hurting. And, uh, and so that's where Elijah was. Look at First Kings 19, 4 and 5. It says, then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, sat down under a broom tree, and prayed that he might die. I know people that are in this room that have prayed that. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life from no better than my ancestors who have already died. And then what did he do? He laid down and slept under the broom tree. See, Elijah's plan was terrible. I mean, it was it was bad. And some of y'all, you might, be, you might be there right now. I don't know. But look what God does to lead him out of his depression. See, God let him sleep, and then he got him up and made him eat. Look at this, the, de- the next part of that verse. He said, but as he was sleeping, God had him sleep. The angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Isn't it something? You know, sometimes we try and be so complicated, but when you're going through a tough time, sometimes if you eat something and sleep, you're going to feel better. Your mama used to tell you that, right? Your grandmama did. And 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 so it's like you need to get some sleep, and you need that helps you get some perspective, and you need to eat something, and so you know. It, and I don't want to minimize the problem. I mean, you might be feeling like you're at the end of the rope. We're here for you. Don't leave here with those thoughts. Don't leave this uh, pod, uh, the the online thinking that way, because God wants to work in your life. We don't we don't need to trust in our plans because our vision's limited. You know, I can only see what's here, right? When Jesus was on earth, he could see what was in front of him. See, God's looking at it from a dip- different perspective. God sees the beginning, the middle, and the end all at the same time. Just like I said last week, I can speak with some faith about some issues because I've seen further down the road. I can, I can look at what some of our children are doing and say, this is where you're going. And, and they want to arrogantly say, oh, no, that's not the case. Listen, I used to be 14. I was 15. I was 16. Now I'm 65. I can see further down the road than they've done. I've been further down the road. And, and so it's not that we don't want kids to have any fun. We just see where they're headed. And you know, my dad used to always say, son, my mistake so you don't make them. And, uh, and so we need, to, we need to do that. And, and that's God's perspective. Our vision is limited. And uh, how many of you, you like to watch movies, right? Anybody like to watch movies? And, and anybody ever watch them a second and third time? I mean, some are classic, like Jaws. You know, how many of you watch Jaws? How, who's watched Jaws more than once? He's watched Jaws more than five times. I mean, you know, we, we watch, it's, it's like a classic now. And, and, and if you're like me, you're watching Jaws and you hear the, mu- the music, bum, bum. and you're going, get off the beach. Don't get in that boat. Bad idea. Get off the surfboard. Are you crazy? There's a shark fixing to eat you up, but they don't listen, do they? And then they get eaten by the shark. See, we've got a, a different perspective than they do. Or, or Titanic. How many of you all watch Titanic? You know, the interesting thing, doesn't matter which Titanic movie it is, that boat still sinks. And, uh, you know, but in Titanic, I mean, you know, how many of you know there was enough room on that board for Rose and Jack? I mean, you know, we're seeing it from up top, and there was plenty of room for Jack to make it on that board. I mean, but he makes this awful decision, I'm going to die. And Rose makes a terrible decision, okay, Jack, that's all right. And And, you know, I mean, you know, craziness, I mean... You know, how many of you, I mean, listen, every Hallmark movie, it doesn't matter which one, every Hallmark movie, the girl or the guy decides, hey, I got a call, there's a crisis back in my hometown. And so they go back home. And, and you know what's fixing to happen. The boyfriend or the girlfriend says, well, I'm going to stay here and work. You, I will stay in touch. How many of you know, every time they find a new boyfriend or girlfriend when they go back home, it's just like, last, we were watching one yesterday, and it's just like, dude, you better go with her. You better go with her. I mean, you know, in one show, he's a nice guy. You know, in this one, he was a jerk, but better go with her, you know. And, and so, sure enough, she meets an old flame, you know, and, and, and that flame rekindles. And, and it happens in every one of them. We can look at the characters and know what's going to happen, you know. It's like, all uh, right, this fixing to happen. I mean, but see, that's because there's a different perspective. We've seen further down the road. The reality is, if we were living it, we'd act just the way they did. But we got a different perspective. That's why we need God's perspective. That's why God's plan is always better than our plan. God's plan is always better than our plan. So how can we get to a place of solution? Look at 1 Kings 19.5. It says, He laid down and he slept under the broom tree, and as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. So he, he got, that happened twice. So he slept and he ate. And the angel said, do it again because you're going to have to travel for 40 days. Now, he didn't have a car. He was walking. You're gonna, and so he, he got up and he ate. And so the angel's telling him, look. And, and, and if you're, the kind of connotation of this, the angel shook him and said, all right, it's time to get up. you got work to do. And, uh, and so shake it up, off. Wake up and get going, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, sometimes we can feel that way. I used to backpack and camp and we loved to backpack. And one time we had, we called it the deliverance trip because we went, hi, we went hike down this ridge of a mountain and down into a valley where there was a stream. And we're backpacking, but we didn't check the weather. We didn't have phones that had the weather on it, you know, for every hour. And uh, and so we didn't know it was going to sleet that night. And so it sleeted. And in the morning, everything is covered with ice. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and so the, the tent is soaked and covered with ice. And so we pack up and... And my backpack was carrying this tent, a 12-man tent uh, for all of us. It was like five times heavier than it was. So we, we took turns carrying that backpack because you carry it a little while. And we're going up a slippery, icy mountain. And, and we get to where we parked our cars. And then we had a muddy road that we had to get the cars off. Guess what? The cars didn't want to go. Bud and ice are not good for traction. We got three of us with one driving. And we're pushing. We're pushing the car up the hill a little at a time. One slides back and hits a tree with a guy's hand between the car and the tree, but it bounced and he pulled his hand out. One guy had gone for help and we never saw him again, so I hadn't seen him since actually. So I don't know, maybe he's lost in the woods. But you know, we're pushing it, so we're we're, we're you know you start thinking thoughts like we might not make it. We not m- might not make it. Now the reality is we could have hiked on over the hill, would have been at McDonald's. You know, I mean. But, you know, and, and we were. We're covered in mud. I'm in the back of a pickup truck. It's 20-something degrees. And we ride in the back of a pickup truck wet. How many of you know you're young and stupid when you do that, right? And so we pull up to McDonald's before the drive through days. We knock on the window. And the guy opens. He's a, guy, he's a retired pastor now. He says, we want 12 Big Macs to go, please, you know. And so and you want me to come in and pay? No, 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 no. We'll bring it to you, you know. And so... Uh, you know, we were like covered in mud, and so, we, man, we ate those Big Macs, and then we ate about a bunch of pizza after that. We were starving, and, uh, but, you know, you start different perspective. We, we might not make it. We're only 30 minutes away from McDonald's, I mean, by foot, you know, when we get in the cars, it was quicker, and we finally got him over that hill, and that, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where Elijah was. He was freezing, and he lost perspective. He, well, he wasn't freezing. He was just. Scared to death, he lost perspective. We were freezing, we were losing perspective. And so Elijah would tell us, when it feels like life has fallen apart, choose to let go and let God. Y'all saw that up there a minute ago. Choose to let go and let God. And I know that sounds cliche, but I'm going I'm to spell it out for you. No matter what you're facing, you can get up if you let go of it and let God. So look what happens to Elijah. First Kings 19, 9 through 14. It says, then he came to a cave where he was spent the night. and But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? He might be saying to you today, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this place of fear? What are you doing in this place of depression? What are you doing with this frustration? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, look, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant and torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left. He was throwing a pity party. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. You'd expect God to, oh, Elijah. Oh, that's, that's okay, buddy. Come on. No. He said, suck it up, buttercup. Look what he said. He said, go out and stand before me on the mountain. He, hey, no, 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 No rubbing his back. He says, look, go out and stand before me on the mountain. That's like getting called to the principal's office right there. You know, a few weeks ago, some of the inmates set a fire at the jail, and they had all these guys sitting on concrete facing the wall, guys with the paintball guns with pepper spray in them, guarding them. Uh, you know, And, and so they, were, they got called to the principal's office. Those guys, if they moved, they were getting pepper sprayed. And, and it was like, man, looking at them, and, and, and they had them sit out there for probably seven, eight hours facing the wall on the wall of shame. And that's kind of Elijah. Elijah, God says, you get out on that mountain and stand before me. And so he, he's like, oh, man, man, I messed up. as Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit that mountain. It was such a terrible blast. Rocks were blown off the mountain and torn loose, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But listen to this. After the fire... There was the sound of a gentle whisper. That's where the Lord's voice was. See, we, we tend to look for God in the spectacular, in the dynamic. And God's there in the quiet, still voice of your intimate relationship with Him. Of your quiet time with Him. Of you listening and getting yourself into a position to hear from God. See, that's when God spoke. See, Elijah, he had to come out of that cave. God had to get him out of that cave. So he could hear from him. Inside that cave, when he said that, it kind of echoed back. Now look what happened. He said, when Elijah heard the voice outside, see, he had to go to where he could hear from God. He wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he says the same thing again. He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. And I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. Let me tell you. In, in today's world, a lot of people are feeling like there's just not many Christians left. The world's gone crazy. But there's a bunch. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. See, God asking, him, what are you doing here? He's asking some of us that too. When you feel down, I mean, you can have a great victory and feel down. Listen. Every Monday, most pastors around the world feel like quitting <laughs> because we have great service on Sunday. And then you just come down, and the devil attacks you and said, oh, you start going, oh, you should have said it this way. Or you should have said this or, or that. And, and so that's what's happening with Elijah. But see, God had more battles for Elijah. And listen, when you feel down and out after a great spiritual experience or whatever you're going through, remember, God has a purpose for your life, and it is not over He's got a race for you to run. he's got a race for you to run and and so uh, I said, we got to let go and let God so here's what we got to let go of. we got to let go of all of all of it. We let go of it all. Write that down. we let go of it all. Elijah was he wasn't real comfortable being honest with God, uh, but he had to do it. He had to let go of that and maybe you've got to let go of anger, maybe you've got to let go of fear, you've got to let go. You've got to let go of all of it. You've got to let go of it all. The second thing you've got to let go is is you've got to let go out of it all. Elijah had to come out of where he was hiding. You've got to come out of where you're hiding and get honest with God. Elijah had to come out of that cave where he was hiding and stand out there before God where he could hear God. We've got to put ourselves in a position. That's why we tell you first 15 in the morning, spend some time in praise, spend some time in worship and prayer and, and, hear, and reading the Word of God, you put yourself in a position to hear from God. And then you've got to let go once and for all. you just got to give it to God and let it be there. You see, first Elijah gave that argument in the cave, and it echoed back to him. He had to get out of that. He had to come from the darkness into the light. He repeats it outside. Guess what? It doesn't come back to it. He, he hears the voice of God. He hears the voice of God. And let me give give you a a voice from the Lord today for your fear. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. He says, don't worry about anything. What are you worried about today? He said, don't worry. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Listen, God, you know, I know it sounds good to say, oh, Lord, I'm just praying for your will. And I know people feel convicted of that. God wants you to specifically tell him what you need. He said, tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. So stop worrying and start praying and talking to God, and he'll give you peace. Now back to Elijah. Your situation might be real. Not saying that at all. But we can still have peace in the middle of it. And the reason is, it's God. Elijah said this. God told, the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel the wilderness to the wilderness of Damascus. So he said, I want you to go back where you came from. Stop hiding and go back where I sent you to minister. Stop hiding and go back to where I've sent you. And so he says, he says that, Go back the way you came. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram. Now, what God was fixing to do, he's going to use Hazel to punish Israel from outside. He said, when you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshi. Aren't you glad your mama didn't name you that? Nimshai to be the king of Israel. And God is going to use Jehu to punish Israel from the inside. And then anoint Elisha, the son of... I can't even say that, Shaphat or from the town of Abel, whatever, and uh, to replace you as my prophet. See, Elisha was going to succeed Elijah, and he got a double portion of Elijah's anointing, by the way. And then he says, anyone who escapes Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and any of those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. There's a lot of wickedness fixing to get killed. And then he says this, he said, Elijah, you think that you're the only one left. You think that all everybody's turned to Baal. He said, yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who've never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Listen, you might be thinking you're the only one trying. You might be thinking you might be the only one of your friends, which is why you need to trade out some friends. But you might be thinking you're all alone. Elijah did. He said, there's 7,000 others in Israel who've not bowed to Baal. So listen, you thought you were alone. You're not. You think you're the only one going through what you're going through. You're not. There are others who are going through the same struggles. And so we've got to let go. And, and so we choose to let God. You know We're wrapping up. To write these down real quick. We choose to let God direct your path. God will direct your path. See, the Bible, if you've got a problem, the Bible has an answer. You need direction, the Bible will guide you. God told Elijah to go back the way he came. He was sending Elijah back where he ran from. God might be sending you back where you ran from. He's preparing Elijah. He's got more work for him to do. He's got more work for you. we've got to choose to let God determine our plans. We've got to choose to let God. He gives us the Holy Spirit inside of us to allow us to walk in truth and purpose. That voice is going to say, turn here, go here, go there. And then allow God, choose to let God demonstrate His providence. That's His protective care over your life. Too often we just do things our way. We need to learn how to wait on God and allow God to protect us while we do that. A guy named Brad grew up in a broken home. He started getting abused when he was very young and and, uh, at seven years old his mom got him started on drugs and alcohol at seven. By ten he was having such anxiety and trouble at home he ran away from home and joined a gang and began to live on the streets. And, uh, and, and uh, he, he became a rapper. He, got to, he, he started rapping. And one morning, uh, he, even, he even toured with Ludacris. That's how good he got at rapping. And, and uh, one morning, he, he opens his eyes, looks out his apartment window, and he sees a church. Now, listen, that's the Holy Spirit opening it up for him. That church had been there the whole time he'd had that apartment. He sees this church, and he goes to that church. See, the Holy Spirit was drawing him. And he goes in there, and he ends up giving his life to the Lord. Now, I believe in 12 steps. We we want to do a celebrate recovery here. But the Lord just delivered him from everything. He took all the anger, all the hate, all the pain that he had been through, and God just delivered it from him. You know what he does now? He's working with a church, and he goes back to the neighborhood where he grew up. See, God sent Elijah back. And this guy, God sent him back, and he's helping the people where he grew up. Find Jesus Christ. And so we need to listen for God. Listen. Romans 8.31, last verse for you. What shall we say about these wonderful things as these? Here it is. If God is for us, who can be against us? Say that with me. If God is for us, who can be against us? And you know, I, I would even say the verse this way. If God's for me, it don't matter who's against me. It does not matter. Because God is for you. And God is telling you today, I am for you. And it doesn't matter who is against you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to do a baptism in just a minute. We have a little girl that's made a commitment to Christ. And she's going going to follow through in baptism. Some of you may have made a commitment to Jesus. And you've not been baptized. We believe baptism is a symbol of what spiritually happens when we receive Christ. But I want to give you an opportunity to whether you're watching... On, on, online or you're in this room to receive Christ so with every head bowed and eyes closed I just want to, want to tell you this morning God loves you and he has a plan for your life he has a, a faith walk for you to run and so right now with every head bowed and eyes closed nobody's looking around but me if you don't know Jesus as your Savior I want to give you an opportunity to cry out to him I'm going to give you some words you don't even have to make them up But basically there's no magic in the words. You just ask Jesus to come into your life.